epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. In T-minus 3, 2, 1, we begin the fun. Touring our way through the NBA from that big, big apple to the place by the bay. Is your mind buckled in? Because it's time to begin. Seiko and his friends are doing it again. The Hangtime Podcast is the spot, so sit back, relax, because the show's about to drop. Welcome into a special edition of the Hangtime Podcast. It's Chicago week. Time for All-Star Weekend in the Windy City. And to kick things off, we spend a little time with the voice of the Chicago Bulls, color analyst Stacey King, the former champion, who's now entertaining the masses on Bulls TV broadcast. Check out our interview with Stacey King. One of the best listens on any NBA broadcast, Stacey King, three-time champion in Chicago Bulls, join us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Stacey, how are you, sir? What's going on, my man? Hey, look, doing good, getting ready to invade your city. Um, I, I know whenever somebody has all-star in their town, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. You know, you get to enjoy all the festivities, but your phone probably never stops going off because everybody needs advice. They want to know where to eat. They want to know where to go party. What What are your plans for, for all-star weekend in Chicago? You know, I'll be here. I'll be here for a little bit, but I'm going to get in the way. You know, this is, uh, I normally go away during <laughs> all-star break. You know, and, and it's really funny because it's the first time it's been in my city um, since, you know, ever. I mean, I, it was never here when I was a player. And then, you know, now I'm a broadcaster 15 years doing this. And, you know, we finally get in my city. And, and I'm I'm going to probably be going somewhere warm with some sand between the toes and uh, <laughs> enjoying my little days off. Uh, no doubt about it. Now, talk to me a little bit about the, the journey, man. You go from, you know, an All-American at Oklahoma um, you know, a top pick in the draft. You you win three championships on some great Bulls teams. Now the, the 15 years, as you mentioned, as a broadcaster, what's what changes in terms of perspective when you're inside the machine and then now you're, you're watching it from a different view and trying to, you know, make sure that people, you know, around the world can can see how it resonates for them as a broadcaster? Well, I think for me, you know, I've created, you know, my own style, my own way that, you know, I project the game, um, you know, being a player, you know, first of all, you have a player's perspective playing as many years as I've played. I can see, you know, see the game as a player, but I also coached in the CBA. A lot of people don't know that. Um, I was coaching right. in the, you know, CBA for, you know, six years. So now, that enhances my broadcasting ability even more because now 
I see the game as a coach and not just as a player. So I have both perspectives. And then you throw in, you know, my quick wit and my, um, you know, my wannabe comedian side of me. You know, that's like that's like one of my that's like one of those 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 things. Like when they say, if you could be anything else besides what you do, um, I'd be a comedian. I think that'd be so much fun. And so I get the the, the viewers get that little sense of me too. And you know, I'm and I'm I'm really I have my ear to music, and you know, I'm up to date. I've got kids, so you know, I'm most kids, you know, feel that I'm pretty hip. So uh, that also helps. <laughs> Yeah, well, good for you, man. My kids think I'm a square, so I'm I'm glad somebody is getting over on these youngsters. Yeah, you got to keep up, you got to keep updated to the music, the lingo, you know, keeps it fresh, you know, and um, you know, so like I said, I got four boys that are all in their twenties, so you know, being around them, they keep you young. No doubt, no doubt. So you you following in a some some pretty big footsteps, you know, as as a color analyst, you know, as as a guy who's analyzing these games. Um, you know, the Bulls have, over the years, Red Kerr, you know, Norm Van yeah. Leer, um, Neil Fon. I mean, there's been some some characters. Uh, did you think about that when you got into broadcasting? Just, hey, you got to uphold a certain standard in Chicago because they've come to expect it to be as entertaining and hilarious and, and insightful as you've made it? Well, you know, as a player, you, you, you figure that out. This is a This is one of the best cities to play basketball in. I tell people all the time, it's, it's, this is an awesome city. Um, if you can deal with the cold weather and, and, but being a professional athlete in Chicago is the best. I mean, you know, winning those championships here in Chicago for the city and representing Chicago, um, we're world famous, man. I can go anywhere in the world and people know who I am just because I played on that magical team and happened to play with arguably the best player that ever played the game. Um, so it's, it's opened up a lot of doors and opportunities and, you know, one of the things that, you know, we have a lot of iconic, you know, broadcasters here in Chicago, whether it be, you know, Harry Carey, you know, Hawk Harrelson, you know, all these guys, you know, uh, Pat Foley with the Blackhawks, you know, there's a lot of iconic guys and then Johnny Red Curb, you know, for the Bulls. And anytime you come up watching these guys, you learn a lot from them. Um, you don't try to be them. You just try to take, you know, a little bit of what they do and try to enhance it a little bit. And I think, you know, being with Johnny my first, you know, few years when I first started, we had a three-man team. And, um, you know, working with him, I learned a lot. And, you know, when you when you come up to a guy like Johnny who's so iconic, you feel, you know, sometimes you might think there might be some animosity. Here comes the young lion replaces the old lion. And it wasn't that way at all. I mean, he welcomed me in. You know, he showed me the ropes, um, you know, really took me under his wings and then just told me to be myself, you know, do what you do. You know, you're funny. People know your personality, you know, have a personality, you know, don't suppress that. And, you know, he really encouraged me to be who I am. And, you know, the Bulls allow me to be who I am. I'm kind of like, to be honest, I mean, you look at TNT and how, you know, Charles and Shaq and Kenny and Ernie, how they have created their own little thing. I'm kind of like that in Chicago. They've allowed me to be, you know, they've allowed me to be who I am and and allows my personality to show without suppressing it. And, you know, so I think I I have a good balance where, you know, I have a very good basketball mind. And then you throw in the quick wit, comedic side. It just gives you a fresh perspective on things and fans enjoy it here. No doubt. No doubt. So talk to me. uh, Chicago, you mentioned it. Obviously one of the true, 
you know, iconic basketball cities, sports towns, yes, but to have won the way the Bulls won, you know, at their zenith, and now in the aftermath of that, what's the culture? What's the what's the basketball culture in Chicago now when you've been so far removed from those glory days? I mean, is, is the city still as locked in? On, on on NBA basketball and the Bulls, or is there is there some ground that needs to be made up there? Well, I think the fan base is a little frustrated with the way the team is. I, I think, you know, sometimes, I mean, when I look at our fan base, I think we got the most loyal fan base for any big city sports town in the country. You know, our fans just don't jump ship when the team's not playing well and don't show up. They're very loyal, you know, and I think they're a little frustrated now with the rebuild process and, you know, how the team has been playing of late. And, you know, I hear it everywhere I go. You know, when I'm in a grocery store or barber shop, you know, people are frustrated. And I get their frustrations because the fact that, you know, they're tired of rebuilding. You know, they're tired of going through these rebuilding phases. And it's very frustrating when they see other teams like Milwaukee, who's right down the road, who used to be basically the little brother to us, you know, now is grown and he's, he's bigger than the bigger brother now. So, and I think they look, look at situations like that, Indiana, you know, teams that we dominated, you know, for such a long period of time, go through rebuilding stages and have rebuilt faster than, than the Chicago Bulls. So I think there's frustration there. And I get that. I think the team gets that, um, you know, with the injuries we've had over the last couple of years. I mean, here we are today, you know, last night we're playing with like eight healthy bodies. You know, every team goes through injuries. Every team goes through adversities. And their fan base is sometimes, you know, they they don't get that. But at the same token, I understand their frustration. And hopefully, you know, the Bulls can turn this around and get, you know, some of these guys back and get back on the right track. And, you know, because the ultimate goal is to win championships. You know, just winning games and winning 40 games is just not enough you know, to, to people nowadays, you know, that you got to get to the playoffs, get past the second round fan bases want winners. And, you know, the bulls have got to find ways to turn this around and, and get back to being one of the elite franchises in the NBA. Yes. I wonder too, for, for you guys, so many of your former teammates, you guys are all over the landscape in terms of, you know, broadcasting front office, obviously Michael owning a team. Does, does it resonate now just how special that time is when you're competing at that highest level in in such a brilliant, concentrated amount of time for you guys to win those championships back to back to back. It's it's not as you know people think you're gonna get in the league and just win. It's like man, it's so much more work involved. So much more difficult to sustain that kind of high level production. Yeah, number one, you know, I mean, everybody has to be on the same page. Everybody has to have the same goals. You know, it's not about you know back then. You know, guys were selfless. You know, guys were doing things for the team. They're making sacrifices for the team. You know, I come from the University of Oklahoma. I'm a two-time All-American. My jersey's retired at the University of Oklahoma. I came in averaging 28 points a game, you know, one of the leading scorers in college basketball. And I come on a team where most lottery picks go to teams like, you know, who need players right away. You know, you're going to the bad team. You know, I, I come on a team that won 50 games. They lost in the second round to the Pistons. And so, you know, you're coming on a 50-win team, an All-American. I mean, when do you see that? You don't ever see that kind of team, you know, get rich. You know, you get they had three first-round picks that year. A 50-win team, three first-round picks. So, 
you know, so when I came in, you know, I had to, I had to accept a role. You know, I had to come in and say, you know, they told me right out the gate, we're not bringing you here to score. And I'm thinking to myself, well, why are you bringing me here? I'm averaging, I average 27, 28 points a game in college. I, I want to shoot. You know, and they said, no, we brought you here for your, you know, block shots, rebound, your athleticism. You know, we, we see you in a different role. And I had to conform to that role. And, and I want to win so bad, and I want to win championships. Because I lost in, I lost the championship to Kansas in 88 uh, in the finals of the college basketball championship. That, that hurt me, man. I, I was hurt for over a year about that. And to get that far and how much work you put in to only lose, you know, that doesn't go away. And to be able to, to be on a championship team like Chicago, you know, I had to make personal sacrifices in my game to fit in, to find a role, to find my niche. And I was all about winning. That's the reason why I accepted that role, because I could have easily told my agent, David Falk, who was the most powerful agent, you know, during that time, and get me out of here after my first year, you know, and I didn't do that. And I had opportunities to do that but I wanted to win. So, you know, nowadays it's, it's, you know, guys are about their brand. Some guys, not everybody. You see these kids talk about their brand and it's not always about winning. It's not all about making sacrifices. It's about them trying to maximize, you know, everything they can get out of the game, which there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, man, it's about winning championships. You talked about, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it was a different league when you came in. It was guys going to college for three or four years. You, y'all were adults. You were grown men when you got to the league, stepping into a realm with, with men, you know, other grown men. So it was kind of a, you, you have to earn your, your keep environment back then. Have you seen? Oh yeah, definitely. Carrying things, the landscape just shifts. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see that. Anymore. I mean, it's just changed so dramatically. Yeah. It is. I mean, I, I just made the comment the other day. I mean, I remember coming in as rookie. You know, my job and BJ's job was to get the bags when we were flying commercial. I would have to get all the team's bags and put them on the bus. The rookies did that. And we had to do that a whole right. year. And then, wait a minute, we, it carried over to the next year during the preseason. You were still considered a rookie to your first game of your second year. <laughs> so, so I was carrying bags for over a year, you know, a year plus, you know, and nowadays you see guys, rookies don't carry bags anymore. Rookies don't have that, that, that responsibility to do things like that anymore. And it's, you know, to me, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, of bringing that kind of stuff back. Cause that's, that's a culture thing. That's something to, to show guys like, Hey, look, you know what? We don't care where you come from. We don't care how much money you make. You're still a rookie. You know, Bill Carr used to make me go get newspapers for him, you know, at the front desk every morning to go get a, you know, USA Today for him. You know, those are responsibilities right. that we had as a rookie. And then when we were no longer rookies, we could do rookies that way. You know, it's just a rite of passage. And you really don't see that anymore. Yeah, it's just, it's just so different. I mean, it's part of that, I guess, is us getting older. Um, you know, we, we doing the old get off my lawn routine now. But I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to stay current and I'm trying to – understand Stacy, the psychology of this new NBA um we've seen some transitions in the last decade you know LeBron is is slowly but surely going to have to cede some ground to some of these younger stars who when you look around the league and you see every team you know all season long you get to see them in from a perspective not a lot of people do it that it really at that floor level view who are some of the young guys around this league that you think are, are poised to break out and move into that next phase, that next category of superstar in the next few years? 
Well, I mean, just just looking at, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of Giannis. I mean, to see him, and I've had a front row seat from his rookie year to where he's at now. You know, we see him four times a year. We saw him in the playoffs. To watch his, his evolution from a kid who came in just, you know, wide-eyed, just happy to be here, but always an extremely hard worker. To see him develop in his game and his tenacity. You know, he went from his first year just being happy to be here, happy-go-lucky, smiling, to a killer. Like, he, he just transformed into, like, Kobe, Michael stage and, and in a very fast way. And, you know, he, he reminds me so much, and honestly, of a 90s-style basketball player. Like, this is a kid who doesn't want to be your friend. You know, he, he'll be friendly to you, but he's not going to call you to go work out. He's not going to, you know, let's go hang out and go do this. He is a killer. He's trying to destroy you. He's got that Kobe, that Mamba mentality that we all talk about, the Michael, the Michael mentality like, hey, look, man, I'm not trying to be your friend. I'm trying to destroy you. You know, Westbrook has that mentality. Damian Lillard has that type of mentality. There are so many good young players out there now, like Donovan Mitchell. You know, I enjoy watching him play. You know, he's just scratching the surface of how he's going to be, you know, in the next five years. I mean, we all know how, how explosive he is, but he's also starting to figure out how to be, you know, more efficient score. We got a kid here in Chicago, you know, Zach Levine, that a lot of people don't really talk about because of the team's success. But when you talk, when you watch this kid every day, you know, he has the, the athleticism. He has MJ athleticism. And, and now where he's explosive, he's got the body control. He can pretty much dunk on anybody. I mean, and he can shoot the basketball. And, 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 and he's putting up some phenomenal numbers right now on a bad team, so I think he gets overlooked. But when, when this team starts winning and he's part of it, people are going to really appreciate how good he really is. Um, just, it's just fun watching him. I talk to him all the time. He has the right mindset. He wants to win. He wants to be a great player. Uh, he cares. So, you know, seeing that every day makes me say, you know, in a couple of years, if this team can turn around, this kid, people are going to start to really appreciate how good this kid is, and he's just not an NBA dunk champion. You know, he's not a guy that just, oh, he just shows highlights. He's a guy that actually has put it all together and now is trying to be an elite player. No doubt. Listen, man, one of the best listens in all of basketball, man, we we – Love listening to you call games, man, and enjoy the, the all of the stuff, the the comedy, the excitement. Um, you make the game better for everybody that checks it out, and uh, appreciate you. I know you, I know you're getting out of town, man. Leave us a cheat sheet somewhere in the city so we know how to get around, what we need to do, where to stay away from. You know, let us know now. Hey, listen, you you come to this city, man. There's not there's not a place in the city that is not a bad place. I mean, you you go to there are all kind of steakhouses, seafood. You know, we got everything here, and it's always, it's always lit here in Chicago. Always lit. You should know that. Oh, yeah. You know, I know. I'm just got to, I got to find my big coat, man. That's all. I got to, got to make yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now. It's, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not as cold as it's normally been during, you know, the February month, but it's still cold here. I mean, I, I mean, especially when you're getting older <laughs> like myself, that, that, that cold is like blistering to the bone. Like it hits like the core of your soul. And I was in, I was outside last night. I'm like, man, what? Why am I here? Why? What am I doing here? Can I be somewhere like San Diego? 
you know, the Bahamas. I said, I'm out of here. As soon as, as soon as that last game next week, I'm gone. Man, I appreciate it. Listen, I ain't mad at you, and I appreciate it. Thanks, Stacey. We'll talk to you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. We appreciate Stacey King joining us here on this special All-Star Week edition of the Hangtime Podcast. We'll see you in Chicago for the festivities, the 69th annual All-Star Game in the Windy City. This one is done, but in case you want another one, here's the link to all the fun from Seku Smith's Hangtime Run. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, NBA.com slash Hangtime, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, Hoops fans.